Seven Minutes in Hell by Meratricious Lee Read by Literarian Chapter 4 Making a Connection Aziraphale had walked home to the bookshop from the pub just two streets down, feeling about as distracted and discompopulated as Crowley had looked climbing into the welcoming open door of the Bentley. There was something nagging at his thoughts, something he was sure was quite important, but all else seemed to be subsumed in the old familiar urge. Having been so hotly roused, his body wanted its release, and, lacking a suitable partner, his partner, a tiny little voice in his heart corrected, he'd have to see to it himself. Not that this was an issue. His body was used to orgasming, at least once every few weeks, in even the driest of dry spells, and he had memories of experiences spanning back five thousand years for reference to arouse himself with. Perhaps he'd even relive the very first time with his first teacher, with her reddish hair and golden eyes. And as soon as some physical equilibrium was restored, the nagging thought would make itself coherent and could be dealt with then. He put a bit of extra pep in his stride and made it back to the bookshop without making any scene of himself. In the farthest and smallest back room of the shop was what Aziraphale considered his private quarters. His living space was the shop and the entire rest of the world, if he was honest. But this small room was where his bed, clothing and most prized and personal possessions were. The door remained locked at all times, whether he was behind it or not. Come to think of it, no one else had ever seen this room, not even Crowley. It wasn't a place to entertain anything but the most intimate of company. There was nowhere to sit but the bed, for example. And Israfel's games and experiments among mortals took place wherever propriety and convenience permitted, but always elsewhere. Oh, thank somebody, the angel thought, shutting the door and bolting it behind him now. The arousal he'd held at bay for the last several minutes was threatening to choke him. He didn't wait any longer. He undid his trousers to free his erection, which didn't exist. Despite a welter of lust throughout the rest of his body that felt as if it might burst him apart at an atomic level, his member was as limp as a cooked linguine noodle. No, he moaned softly. Maybe it was just a... A temporary difficulty. Maybe if he got more comfortable. Aziraphale stripped out of his clothing, not rushing the process, folding and putting away or hanging up each garment that came off his body as clean as the day it was first stitched. He climbed up into his bed, a loft high above a shelving unit with multiple deep drawers reachable via ladder, and let himself fall into its feathered-down softness. At about this time... Crowley stunned himself on a concrete slab of mattress. In a nest of linen sheets and puffy quilted duvets, Aziraphale shifted onto his back and called up the memory of the second hottest encounter he'd ever had. Not the hottest, not anything involving Oscar Wilde. For an immortal being, the loss was still too fresh, the grief too raw to be dealt with lightly. And, strange to say it, there was always a layer of guilt for him in the time he spent with Oscar. Aziraphale had often wondered if he was cheating on God, perhaps, with the level and nature of still perplexing emotions he felt for the playwright. Now he wondered if it might have been cheating on someone else. 
Nonetheless, the second hottest was plenty hot enough and had worked wonders in the past when used for the same purpose. He let his hand roam his torso as his mind unspooled the encounter before his sightless eyes. As the memory reached its first of several crescendos, the angel's fingertips sought his cock. No, still flaccid. Fine, he thought, his usual phlegmatic temper flaring viciously. We go for the big guns. Crowley. Somebody, yes. Heaven's foremost prodigal and hell's finest temptation, as far as Aziraphale was concerned. He imagined a glimpse of those slitted topaz eyes over the top of his demon's sunglasses, and a shudder of lust and longing went through him. How many times had Aziraphale not dared to dream this dream? Angels had so little privacy. It was said that several of the archangels, as well as God, could read all your thoughts, so it was better just not to have any thought that might be lascivious, seditious, treasonous. Better not to hear one's own heart if it urges apostasy via the love of another person that might, in that specific heart, put them on the same level as a distant, ineffable God, or, heaven forbid, even higher. But, oh, he heard it tonight as darkness fell over the bookshop and rose behind his eyelids, as he remembered and savoured the moments where he'd briefly held his beloved demon in his arms, touched him, caressed him, kissed him, teased his most intimate parts through the barrier of his clothing. Aziraphale felt lust like a forest fire racing across the skin, tempered now within the forge of love into something purer and more powerful, strong enough to ease some of the languor of his cock. It swelled slightly in his hand. Crowley. Inexperienced, and deliciously so, but glorious in his surrender to the angel's will, there in that dark little closet. Not for him were the games and experiments of the last fifty centuries. He was the focus of every single act that had gone on before, the dark heart at the centre of the brilliant spiral of the galaxy, the most secret treasure of Aziraphale's eternal soul. He groaned and writhed in the sheets, giving his prick a slow stroke with a squeeze at the end of it, trying to rouse it all the way. He became conscious of the fact that he could smell his demon's scent on his hands, and the thought that that perfume was mingling with the musk of his most private parts gave him another thrill. Oh, somebody, yes! His beloved demon, his greatest crime, his deepest passion, his reason for falling, even falling all the way if it came to that. Yes. Yes. Slowly he went, trying to rouse his body all the way, and still the flesh fought him. He even banished his genitals and resummoned them, just to be sure they didn't need some sort of reboot. Aziraphale knew from hard-earned experience that if he kept trying this way, he'd eventually wind up with chafing, and that was the last thing he needed right now. Crowley, he thought again. Just to have you here with me, have you near again, just to touch you. He cast his glance around the room, looking for something that could possibly aid him, anything to break this awful tension, 
and help him reach full arousal and eventually the climax his body craved. His gaze came to rest on his wool jacket, hung on its hook by the wall. The lapels were turned back on either side, and there he could see the half-circle impression of Crawley's fangs. He blinked. They seemed to glow red the more he focused on them. Aziraphale? The beloved voice, strangely lost and vulnerable sounding, reverberated in his head. Aziraphale? it said again. Crowley? he answered. Is that... is that really you? Let's slow down the moment so we can understand what happened next. First off, fairly intelligent humans think fairly quickly. The fastest ones can give the average angel a run for their money, so to speak. A fairly intelligent angel is blindingly fast by comparison, however, so the following three thoughts occurred in a minuscule fraction of a second for Aziraphale. 1. That there was such a thing as sympathetic magic in that if you had a portion of someone else's body or a fluid that had originated in their body, you could work spells regarding them. Hair, teeth, fingernail pairings, tears, blood, semen, saliva. And Crawley's teeth marks and traces of his saliva were on Aziraphale's jacket. A jacket he had worn carefully for over 170 years by this time, and had also by that long familiarity taken on some of his energy for the sake of magical purpose. There was something of both of them in it now, and the gestalt between the two had apparently opened a spiritual gateway by which they could communicate after a fashion. Two, as the fact that his stick was suddenly rock-hard in his fist indicated, his final thoughts in the dark of the closet before the knock from the outside that had disrupted them both had been in the vein of a vow. Subconsciously intended, if consciously rejected. Not without you, my demon love, not ever again. And that was what the nagging thought had been trying to tell him through a musky haze of desire. Vows made by angels were not lightly thought or spoken, nor were they lightly rescinded. His ability to achieve erection and orgasm appeared to, from that moment on, be bound up in Crowley's arousal and climax, for now and possibly forever. Exploring the ramifications of this would have to wait. There were more pressing matters at hand, so to speak. And three, some of the best advice he'd ever received was from Plato, and it resurfaced in his mind now. Plato had been escorting him to an orgy, his first one as a matter of fact, and Aziraphale had asked him what to generally expect of the event. Well, there's no real way to tell what to expect, the scholar had said, his broad shoulders and magnificent height making the angel feel compact and slender beside him. Then again he was wearing his body a few decades younger that century, as was the style. One thing I will say, though, is... Be cool. Be cool? Aziraphale echoed. Yeah, be cool. Trust me. Once we're there and things really get started, you're gonna see some shit. You're gonna see shit you've never dreamed of in your entire life.
you're probably gonna see some very sexy shit. And you might see some less sexy shit as well. You just never know. But if you keep cool during all of it, just giving the impression that you're interested and it's all pleasantly nice but nothing terribly shocking, you'll get to see even more shit. And maybe get invited to participate even. I've seen people mess things up for themselves in the local scene permanently simply because they flipped out and seemed disgusted or distressed by what they saw. Or they got too desperate to be involved when they weren't yet invited and it turned everyone else off. Be cool and you'll wind up with a pick of whatever's available that you find to your taste. And he grinned down at the angel and bumped his shoulder gently with one powerful elbow. Aziraphale had found that instruction priceless over the centuries. Maintaining a gently amused and courteously intrigued yet slightly reserved persona in the circles in which he conducted his experiments led to entry into games and events that he never would have imagined to request on his own. A year after this conversation and subsequent orgy, Plato wrote his symposium. Two hundred years after Plato's death, the realization hit. He was hitting on me. Oh dear. Oh no. He was completely hitting on me. And Aziraphale found a quiet wall and knocked his forehead against it repeatedly for at least ten minutes. Back in the current moment, and without any noticeable pause, Aziraphale stayed as cool as possible as he answered, I guess I must be the angel in your head, as you're surely the demon in mine. It was true, for a given value of true. As a significant bonus, it appeared to answer the question at the same time that it completely failed to do so. Yes, of course, Crowley answered, assuming whatever permitted him the most comfort. Aziraphale noted that the signal faded out whenever he shifted his gaze from the teeth imprints in the lapel, so he rolled onto his left side to focus on it and on the voice he was hearing in the silence. You seem to know more about this sort of thing, the demon went on. I've had a few experiences. Again, true for a given value of true. I don't understand it myself. Humans are so weird, the distant voice sighed softly. And they're so fragile, and they die so quickly and easily. Why get invested in the whole mess, only to lose them so soon? Why indeed, Aziraphale thought, with a pang at the memory of Oscar. Well, there are no humans around right now, he hazarded aloud. So, what are you needing to know? Everything. Everything? Well... And here Aziraphale experienced a double layer of vision. His regular personal space with its small and long-memorized dimensions superimposed with an image of Crowley's apartment in what must be his bedroom. There was a grey duvet cover in view, and from the angel's point of view, a long and slender hand came up out of it and pushed it away. The other hand was wrapped around the most beautiful cock Aziraphale had ever seen. Oh, he exhaled, eyes fixed on the bite mark and his mind's gaze on that other side. Oh, Crowley, you're gorgeous. 
Am I? Again, that small vulnerability in the demon's voice. Aziraphale gave himself to the maelstrom of desire that arose within. You are so much so. Take your left hand and run it down your chest. Watch it as you move. I want to see what you do to yourself. Why? Aziraphale laughed, filled with affection. He'd played this game too both with jaded ingenues and with true innocents who wanted to lose an increment or two of their naivety to his blandishments. Because it's wonderfully sexy, Crowley. Because it turns me on to see you touch yourself. The vision of the slender hand meandered down the slender chest. The demon gasped and shifted his hips. So you... you have this too? You felt it on your thigh in the closet tonight. I know you did. And yes, I've got it right now. Because of me? Because of you. Play with your nipples a moment. See if you like how they feel. Crowley did as bitten by what he assumed was a wayward corner of his own imagination. Aziraphale felt the little sparks as each sensitive peak of flesh was lightly pinched and tucked, then rubbed with the pet of the demon's thumb. The angel felt the shuddering gasp in Crowley's chest. Look down. Mmm, see that gorgeous cock. Is it? It is, you beautiful thing. Beautiful to match all the rest of you, my darling. Stroke it for me. I want to watch. You... I like to watch you. And his breathing was heavier now. He struggled to keep it even and his voice steady. I like to watch you walk with that sexy saunter of yours, like you've got a pendulum in your pants and your sweet ass keeps time with it. And now I know what that pendulum looks like. So wrap your fist around it and stroke it, because I can't. Not yet, Crowley whispered. His hand stayed still around an erection that hadn't flagged in the slightest. But someday. Oh, my dear demon, yes, someday. Crowley unwrapped his hand and brought it towards his own face. Aziraphale watched it come as if it was his own. Then the demon licked his palm thoroughly with what proved to be a moderately forked tongue and sent it back down slick and wet. On the first stroke they groaned as one. What else do you like? breathed the demon. Aziraphale gripped the side of the mattress, curling his pillow tightly under his head. There was no need and even no will for him to touch himself now. His beloved Crowley would take them both there if he was lucky. But he'd been playing these games for far too long to surrender now. For every stroke you make, I'll tell you a thing I like. He felt Crowley's smile. The phantom hand in Crowley's bedroom made another long, slow transit of the demon's erection. I like your smile, that sexy little smirk. That was an easy one. 
Crowley fisted his cock again and groaned. I like the sound of your voice. Again, the demon reached down in a moment of innovation and played with his balls also. Mmm, I like your imagination. You are my imagination, Crowley answered wryly, but his breath was coming faster. I like your beautiful sharp cheekbones. Crowley's hand was moving faster. He thrust his hips upward with each stroke of his fist. Oh, my love, yes, I love your eyes. My eyes? Aziraphale's throat was dry. Like brilliant twin stars in the darkest night, like two yellow sapphires in the bottom of a well, reflecting the glimmering moonlight above. You called me your love just now. His voice was choked on emotion. His hands did not stop doing the things he found pleased him best. Yes, as Raphael gasped, he was so close. Do you? What? Do you love me, Aziraphale? The angel felt the tears rise despite the feverish pitch of his arousal. He pressed his damp face into his pillow, the feathered down warmed with the heat of his smile. Oh, Crowley, I love you. I love you so. I've no idea exactly when it started, but I've loved you for so long that you're a part of me now. Yes, they were both so close. Yes, Aziraphale whispered, chest aching with the intensity of the feeling as he gave himself to the fall. You and always and only you, my love, now and forevermore. The shared orgasm hit him like a freight train. The angel rocked back with the intensity of it, ejaculating in the clean sheets and not caring, blind and deaf to everything except the gentle sobs of release echoing in his mind and the feel of the demon trembling and clenching around his own experience. Somebody! How he wished he could enfold him in his arms, comfort and caress him as he wrote the last measures of his first bliss kiss his fluttering eyelids and the pulse in his throat. I'm here, my love. I'm here, he murmured softly instead. The demon let go of his cock and crossed his forearms over his eyes to block out the world. Two thin streams of tears tracked down his cheeks. I'm here with you, my love, my only one. No, you're not, protested the demon, through the grief and longing he never would have shared face to face. No, you're not, and that's the problem. You're only in my head. You're only ever in my dreams. Aziraphale knew when to stop talking, and although he stayed focused totally on the bite mark for another few minutes, the connection faded away. Coming back to himself, the angel took stock of the situation. He cleaned the sheets with a thought, then climbed carefully back down out of the bed. His body moved with the gentle fatigue of total satiation, but his heart was roiling with emotion. 
Oscar, my dear Oscar, you were my only teacher for this. I never would have been prepared and could never have understood in the slightest had you not caused some of this feeling in me before. Aziraphale had the habit of allowing his body to sleep for two or three hours every couple of days. Although he didn't technically require sleep and didn't much like it, as it took time away from reading more books, he kept the practice of it for two reasons. That he felt as if his body was improved and maintained by the occasional light refreshment of a nap. And because if he didn't sleep every so often, he would have no consistent reason to be able to wear his pajamas. And his pajamas were adorable. He dressed himself in them now, in fingertips that trembled slightly. Sleep, yes, for even a decadent and usually unnecessary four hours. A rest of the soul and body would help things make more sense and help him to develop a plan for how things must proceed until the apocalypse. Sir Aziraphale hoped. Yet he woke in the early hours of the next morning with no better concept of what to do with this twisted situation and nobody he could ask for help, not even his demon himself. Now, conscious of himself as being in some sort of ethereal chastity belt, he went through his days with his very clothing seeming to burn around him. Aziraphale's nights were spent naked, trying to coax some means of pleasure from his own body, utilizing each of his finest memories and every trick he'd learned, looking for release. Until it actually did chafe, even. The thought, once and very briefly, crossed his mind to seek out some sort of human companion in the interim, to see if the touch of someone else's hands and body might bring him to the place. No, he rejected immediately, his skin crawling with something close to revulsion. Good or bad, ill or sound, heaven or hell, or this place in between them, he knew what he wanted now. Crowley, and only Crowley. And then, weeks later, the demon himself called him up for a meeting in the park. The usual thing, the Antichrist, the coming end of the world, the scheduled war between the angelic and infernal hosts. Nothing special. Be cool, Aziraphale reminded himself. Just be cool. And he was, as habits of millennia kicked in and he pretended everything was the same as it ever was. God was watching after all. Crowley offered him a ride back to the bookshop. Aziraphale accepted. He sat in the Bentley's passenger seat and took long, slow breaths that filled his lungs with the scent of his demon. When they pulled to the curb, he stepped up and out, smiled his thanks back to Crowley in his driver's seat, and let himself back into the shop as if his flesh wasn't burning with a helpless desire. He double-checked that the closed sign was in the shop window and all the blinds were pulled, then went to his private quarters and paced their short meters. Every second turn had him gazing at the bite impression in the wool jacket he couldn't bring himself to wear yet. Everyone would know if they saw the marks, and he couldn't bear to miracle them away just yet. Angel, said a familiar voice ringing through his mind. He stumbled over his feet, he'd stopped so abruptly. Crowley? 
I pulled over by a park. I couldn't take it. What was it? I can smell you all through the Bentley. I, I just... The angel focused on the impression of his demon's teeth and the jacket, and then he was there, looking down with Crowley onto Crowley's own body. His shirt was undone, another button or two, his trendy scarf untied, and the ends brushed to either side of his body, and his jeans unbuttoned and unzipped. His absolutely delicious erection strained through the opening. It was all I could do to sit there beside you the demon continued, and pretend that I don't imagine you like this, that thinking about you, being near you, smelling you, doesn't do this to me. Aziraphale sat down on the wooden floor in his bedroom, his back to the drawers under his loft bed. The drawer pulls poked his lower back and the spot between his shoulders, but he didn't care. All that mattered was to shove his own trousers down and aside and get at the evidence of his own arousal now firmly making itself felt. Sometimes, sometimes I wish I could bite you. But I would hurt you if I did. The angel stroked his cock and felt his heart rise with the pleasure. You never would hurt me, my love. Not unless I wanted you to. You wanted me to? The demon repeated, amazed. His fingertips circled just the tip of his erection, slowly. Be cool, Aziraphale reminded himself. Take it slower than that. There are some ideas that must be built up to gently. Where was your jacket today? The one that I bit? Oh, uh... Well, it was rather warm. I didn't feel the need to wear it. Huh. I haven't seen you much without it in the last century or so. Crowley, were you wanting to talk about my outerwear, or were you wanting to orgasm? His demon chuckled quietly. Ezraphel thought he might melt into a little puddle on the floor. I want to feel you come. I think I want to, too. I hadn't ever before, not before that thing a few weeks ago, right after we were stuck in the closet together. Aziraphil unfastened his shirt, the better to get at his own body. Why is it you had a cock then, darling? I could ask the same of you, the demon's fingers still circle lazily, unhurried. What had he been experimenting with in the meanwhile? But I suppose I wouldn't get a real answer, would I? Hmm. It's always just felt right to have that when I'm around you. I never did anything with it, but I still wanted it there. Isn't it weird? I don't think so, he breathed. Swimming in the ocean of their shared arousal, suddenly he had the patience of a saint. What is it you want? his demon asked, reaching down into his tight jeans to fondle and tuck at his scrotum. Right now or in general? Crowley gave another little laugh that became a hummed moan. Mm, both, I think. 
Aziraphale leaned his head back against the drawers and pinched his nipples in the way he enjoyed, rolling them between thumb and forefinger. If he went to touch his genitals now, before Crowley was closer to his own pleasure, all he'd get would be frustrated agony. Well, you've seen pornography, haven't you? Pictures and videos and the like. Eh, none of it did much for me. But he didn't stop caressing himself. Aziraphale's voice was firm and filled with tenderness. I understand that. But I'd say all of it is very different when you are with someone you truly care for. Like when we were in the closet together. Anyone else trying to touch you like that would have turned out very differently, don't you think? Yes. He considered it for a long moment. The angel sensed the rapid cognition of a variety of violent results before Crowley resumed the thought. You're different to me. And so are you to me. What I want right now is for you to come, right here in your car, practically in public, but no one else to catch you at your pleasure. Simple enough. He spread his clothing open wider to give himself more access. What I want in general is to do the things you've seen in porn and find out the ones you really do enjoy when they're done with the right person. Crowley exhaled hard through slightly parted lips. And if I don't like something? Then you tell me so and we stop. But if you're willing to at least try them, you might find all sorts of things you didn't know that would feel good. So, tell me some of them. You've done some exploring with the body that you have. When Crowley made no sign of disagreement, he continued caressing down his own abdomen and out across his thighs. Do you know that there's a spot just a finger length or so inside your own asshole that can make you orgasm more intensely? Now Crowley laughed aloud. A hard, embarrassed belly laugh. You must be kidding. I would never kid about something like that. There's a lot of sensitive nerve endings in the area also. That's why many male humans enjoy things being done with their ass. Huh. His hands started playing with the erection again that hadn't flagged the slightest for all his embarrassment. A good sign. I wish I could be there. I wish you could be sitting on my lap instead of that seat. We'd have to get in the back. There's not that much room in front. Aziraphale grinned, pulling his trousers down to his calves. He hadn't even taken off his shoes yet. That's fine. However we need to do to make it fit. See, with you on my lap, my cock could be inside your ass. Longer than your finger? Crowley asked Arkley. The angel wanted to die in the sudden rush of lust he felt, and be reborn as a nebula or something else large enough to contain the incredible emotion. Longer, he choked and swallowed hard to clear his throat. And thicker. And the intimacy of having this part of me be enclosed in that part of you would be wonderful. Ah. Part groan and part sigh, Crowley's hands squeezed his own prick. 
the head swelled and turned briefly purplish. Yes, and I'd move my hips gently and run the tip of my cock over that spot inside you. And you could lean back and rest against my chest, feel my arms around you, feel my hands doing to you what you're doing right now. Crowley arced his back so that his head could rest on the top of the leather seat back, imagining it to be his angel's shoulder. That would feel so good. Aziraphale wet his lips. We'd go so slow, my love. We'd have all eternity if we wanted. You safe in my arms being pleasured. Me finally able to hold you as I wished and move to bring you and me both orgasms. The angel could feel the tremor that set up in the demon's thighs. You're mine, he growled, filled with aching need. Every inch of you, from the tallest hair on your head to the very soles of your feet, every single atom and part, and I'd mark you with kisses and love bites and suck marks. And I'd wait, oh, how he waited, for you to be ready, for you to be close and eager, and my hands and my dick would bring you the rest of the way to your climax and give you mine in return. Crowley's hands were working their own magic. Aziraphale felt as if they lived in one body entirely. He felt the tingling begin in that spot inside and worked its way outward through every limb. Panting on the floor, he could hear his demon's ragged breathing hitch and stop, hitch and stop. Come for me, love. The first jagged little cry tore at Aziraphale's heart. He felt his own cock twitching and the warm honey of orgasm spreading in his nerves, but all his attention was focused on the demon's gasping moans and the way his hands did not pause but slicked the hot spasms of fluid around his cock's head and over its ridge as lubricant to milk every single drop of pleasure out of the experience. My greedy little demon, Aziraphale sighed mock-scoldingly, barely mindful of the ejaculate on his own bare thighs or the thin tendrils of tears running down his cheeks. We can do this again whenever you want. All you have to do is think of me and I'll be with you. We'll have all the time in the world. Aziraphale, he breathed. Both of them remembered the apocalypse was coming in rather less than five years now. Neither of them spoke about it. Lick your hand, he ordered instead. I want to taste your pleasure. Crowley obeyed, as pliant as a lamp in his afterglow. His forked tongue twined around and between his spread fingers. That is so good. Aziraphale, the bond was gently fading. I'm with you always, my love, always. Call on me this way whenever you want to share your pleasure. He laughed through his tears. Or call me on the phone when you simply want to do lunch. Then the connection was gone and Aziraphale was alone in his own head again. 
a disheveled mess, sprawled on the floor, covered in cum like some sordid random encounter, still weeping with the intensity of the feeling that sexual contact suddenly had for him. Aziraphale got a glimpse of the future, as nice and accurate as Agnes Natter could possibly have wished. It involved two things. The first was that immediately when shops and general business opened tomorrow morning, Aziraphale was going to find the finest bespoke tailor in the city. He was going to go there with his demon-bitten jacket on a hanger and say to them, Do not touch this garment, but duplicate it in every single precise detail, down to the number and places of the exact hand stitches themselves, except for the teeth marks on it. Price would be no object. He would tell them of the fabric and the lining and the pockets, if they had to do a special dye job to match, he didn't care how much it would cost. They could step close and take a thousand pictures as he held the jacket open for them. They could make a 3D scan and laser measurements and color processing and any other futuristic thing that they did these days. He would even let them measure his own person for the fit, but they would not lay even so much as a fingertip on the talisman that connected himself and Crawley in such an intimate manner. And he would go on to wear the duplicate garment, while the original, the magical object, would hang in the loft where Aziraphale slept, kept close where its magic could continue to work. And it would. The second thing was that Aziraphale was sure that every few weeks, and quite probably more often, he would hear the voice of his demon in his mind, either of them having thought of or focused on teeth prints and soft cream-coloured wool. And he would feel his arousal and rise to meet it, hurrying to find privacy here in his personal quarters, or in an alley, or in a restroom, or a closet, or even sitting primly with his eyes closed on a park bench, and never hinting by sound or movement or expression to the outside world that he was orgasming, harder than he ever did in any experiment or game at a discreet gentleman's club. In this way, meeting in public, meeting in the private of their minds, Crowley and Aziraphale could survive the years. And so they did, right up until the day the world ended. Once it restarted, well, the rules didn't exactly apply then, did they?'